Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Here's a secret. If you like this episode, you can get show notes, sometimes even transcripts of it. Just go to recovergirlnewsletter.com and sign up. I wouldn't say we fell in love right away. I think we were, as they call it in the biz, trauma bonding. And then after eight years of being insufferably sober, I started drinking again. Addicts tend to be rather sensitive people. Aren't you Mark Maron? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, what happened to you? Hey, you guys, Anna David here. You may have noticed something different theme song. That's because this podcast has been renamed. Yes, After Party Pod is no longer. We are now Recover Girl. Now, I know that not everybody is comfortable with change. Change is inevitable, as the Buddhists say, or they say something like that. But anyway, if you're new, this is a podcast all about addiction and recovery. I am your host, Anna David. I've interviewed hundreds of addicts and alcoholics about their sobriety and their recovery and their addiction and all of those things. And I'm just going to continue to do that here under a new name and a new theme song, which I hope you liked, and a new website, which is recovergirl.biz. And this episode, it's an interview I've been holding on to for a while because I wanted to release it when I was making the big change. This guest needs no introduction, so I'm going to keep it very brief. It's Jemima Kirk. Yeah, it's Jessa from Girls. What can I say except that this was a complete thrill to get her to agree to be in this podcast, to be on this podcast. The sound quality isn't as good as it normally is because we were on her roof and it just kind of, it just doesn't sound as good, but her voice is so gorgeous. I mean, who really cares? But in case you do need an introduction, shame on you, but she was also, she made her debut in the film Tiny Furniture, which was Lena Dunham's original first piece of work out there. Jemima is British and fabulous and lives in New York and is also an artist. She actually received her degree in painting from RISD, and she's pretty fabulous. So let's just have me stop talking and get into Jemima Kerr. So yeah, just we're going to launch right into basically um, your story with, with you know, drinking and using, and I, I know you went to rehab young. Mm-hmm. So tell me about that. You grew up here in Brooklyn. I grew up actually in, uh, in England. In England and then in um, the West Village. Okay, and then I went to school in Brooklyn, um, but no, I went to a few rehabs. Um, but I would say I don't know. Young is relative, but you know, some people are going to rehabs at like seventeen now. Um, but I wasn't seventeen; I was twenty-three when I went. Yeah, it was fun. It was. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of sober friends who never got to go to rehab, you know, and I was like, it was fun. Well, it's funny because I feel like tons of people think it's going to literally be like a spa and that... Well, it's not that. No. Where did you go? I went to the Meadows. Oh, yeah. I, I went there for a week. For that their, was like, the most spa-like. 
It was. I mean, you still had to make your own bed and stuff like that, but it was just, it was, it wasn't spa like it was just hadn't, it was just nice. Yeah. Then I went to, um, then I went to, um, life, life skills. Oh, I don't know that one. Very beautiful title. Beautiful, uh, yeah, it's such a terrible name. Life skills. Did you learn any life skills there? Uh, no. I really don't think it was I, it was the right fit for me. It was a dual diagnosis place. Yeah. Which and the, my dual diagnosis was like addiction and depression. I was like, they don't, but other they don't go together. <laughs> but they but they do. Yeah, I know. That's oh, oh, so it was of just course, so, like, like what addict doesn't sort of right, what person I'm, using drugs? I wouldn't be like, here. Otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so I thought I was a bit. Um, I was felt like the healthiest person in there. Right. <laughs> the sanest person in there. Um, but it, it, it was called Life Skills because it was supposed to be like a second step program. Uh-huh. So you go to rehab and then you go to this place. Yep. And it um, and they teach you how to, you know, acclimate to the world like a normal person. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not that deep. Right. Like I know how to, like I'm not a, I, I I know basic things. I know how to do groceries. They teach you how to do groceries. And make your bed. And make my bed. I know how to like have a schedule. Right. I don't want to, but I know how. Um, and But there was some, you know what, they, I do remember specifically one time that we went to the grocery store and they would always give you $60. That's it for your week. Right. 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 And you had to live on that. And coming from a family where I we grew up, I grew up quite privileged yeah it was a good really good lesson because i'm just used to like throwing whatever i want on there so yeah. regardless of any addiction or whatever i would have had that problem anyway right right so, so you was, did learn a life skill i did learn a life skill it was like i was actually looking at prices and i was actually i mean it was uh and i I've, I had the embarrassment of having to put things back right you know so um so did you go there after meadows after meadows and um what I noticed about that that one, I, I, I uh, that one I hated at the time, but I didn't hate it at nearly as much as the next one I went to. Okay, which I would love to bash them because they're awful. Is um, wait, 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 wait! Don't tell me the name until why? we're done. Well, because they I'm, need to be okay. Can you can <laughs> you can whisper it to me? But it it's, was bad. Was it one of these? I don't. Like, t- I won't say the name. It's it's the name. Of, I'll just say it's a flower. Okay, <laughs> which that's that's the clue. Um, it was an all women's rehab, uh-huh. and um, there was so much shaming in there. Yeah, it was. It was shocking. Even me, who is was and is, but even more so then, so self-hating, I was like, oh, you can't say that to me. Right, right. Like that you're poison, that you are, that you're dirty, like really hurtful things. And then, and then, you know, you have your, your, your single therapist, you know, you have your group therapy and then you have your one-on-one, right? And, um, and even in that's supposed to feel like a safe place and it did for the first couple of weeks and then they'd start using that stuff against you well i would I, I got sent essentially to the principal's office like every other day and my therapist would be sitting in there accusing me of things that, that I you told had told yeah. oh that's awful yeah it was all- so the worst thing that the worst part of it uh oh so i remember one um one instance in a um uh in a group session where we'd been to the beach 
and we were processing the Mm -hmm. next day. And someone said, raised their hand and they said that I made them uncomfortable because I, um, had changed on the beach. Like my friend put a sarong around me, but maybe the sarong slipped or whatever. And they said that would make them uncomfortable. I also told one of the girls that I thought she was super like pretty or I maybe even said a hot, but it was supposed to be a compliment. And I think it was like, in re- it wasn't, it wasn't uncalled for. It was in response to something. And they said that. I made them, that I was too overtly sexual and made them uncomfortable. Oh, my God. And I was just like, this really is besides the point for me. And I'm just, I can't look after your feelings. I'm sorry. But yeah. Like, my, my presence on the beach was so... Triggering or whatever triggering. it was. Um, but, yes, and uh, so there was that. And then why did I get... I got kicked out of that one. I'm trying to remember. I got kicked out of life skills, too. But I can't, I'm trying to remember why I got kicked out of that one. I can't remember. I can't remember why, but they remember they called me in to the office and they said, do you want to be here? I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't want to be here. Wouldn't anybody say like, that? My mom is wants me to be here. Right. Um, and, uh, and then I remember I started crying about something. I can't remember, but something about the way they treat me in that. And then my therapist who's sitting in with the Let's call her the principal. I don't know what the fuck. Head of the head of whatever place or whatever. We're saying, and she's like, always the victim, Jemima. And I was like, you can't say that. <laughs> it might be true, right? But you can't. Anyway, it was it was an awful, awful place. Um, and uh, well, it, you know, Meadows, I felt like was really, you know, do I when you were there, did they people have to wear signs saying I wore a sign that yeah. says I can't talk to men. That was what I wore, yeah. And, and then there was this pool that was really nice, but you could never go in it because you weren't allowed to wear anything but super like long pants yes. and long shirts. Yes, yes. And there's so many, you know, because I was so ready to pick apart the whole system. Right. I, I did find a lot of inconsistencies and there are, yeah. you know, like there are, the you know, they, they ban certain things and not others, you know, they don't allow hairspray in there, but they allow knives in the kitchen that right. is your kitchen. So that they they don't allow smoking, but they give them fucking cake. Yeah. You know, sugar. Yeah. It's so I don't really, I don't, I, uh, so I, I would always be questioning. And, um, what I would have liked was to have someone talk to me like, uh, like I was a person, not a patient. Yeah. And I always felt like I was being put in my place. Right. And I'm like, I'm an adult. I don't need to be put in my place here. I don't need to be broken down so you can build me back up. Like, that's not going to work for me. Yeah. I need you to level with me. Um, but they they always, they it always start, it felt like school sometimes. Yeah. The fun part was the people. Yeah. Was the other patients. The other- right. Clients, let's call yeah. them. Yeah. And did you, are you still friends with some of them? Oh, no. God, no. Right. <laughs> but you guys would have fun. I mean, I'm married to one of them. I know. Which one did you meet him at? Life skills. Life skills. Okay, so before you got kicked out, you fell in love or whatever it was at a dramatic moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, I wouldn't say we fell in love right away. I think we would, as they call it in the biz, trauma bonding. Right. <laughs> right. Which, yes. So I think that we, that we would fully 13th stepping it yeah know, we would just like you're sick i'm sick i get you like let's you escape know. our feelings yeah and like i'm reacting against my whole life and you're reacting to let's react with each other right um and um and that that 
did happen. And everyone told us this is a terrible, terrible idea. And it was. Yeah. And it did have, it, it was bumpy. Yeah. And I can't say why it had such longevity, I, but it something worked. So, and it's been about what, over 10 years or? Eight. Eight years. So, so you, you get kicked out. Uh, well, okay. So what was the, so you started with Meadows and then did you get sober and then not stay sober? No, I went door to door. Okay. So Meadows sent me there because, um, they sent me to life skills because, you know, they, they always have to rec. Well, they probably, I don't know. Are in cahoots with each other. Yeah. yeah. Something. I don't know. But that was like, they're like, we don't do this for everyone. We just recommend it to the people. I'm like, really? I feel like you do it for everyone. Yeah. Uh, so I went to life skills and got kicked out of life skills and had to go. To the, to the one that shall remain nameless until we stop recording. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I did survivors, you know, your third week at oh, Meadows. I did that too, yeah. You have to, when you're inpatient, I was five years sober and I went there and they told me I had to check in. I was five years sober. I right. had to check into Meadows and I remember going, I don't, oh, I don't right, have right, right. like 40 grand to do this. And I remember the counselor going, you can't afford not to. I mean, they are definitely interested in taking your money sometimes. Yeah. It's a business. Yeah. It is a business. It's just the... I maybe it's just me, but I get, I get really, I don't like when things aren't explained to me mm -hmm. because that's the way it is. Yep, um, that's when I feel like a child or a patient or something. And I, I had a lot of questions, some of them petulant, mm -hmm. but I still, if someone had read me well enough, they would have left with me, right? And maybe said like, "We get it. We yeah. can't be fucking perfect, right? You know, right." But you just need to take the good with the bad right now. Yeah. Roll with this. You know, you checked in. It's a lot of money. Just, we have rules. Yeah. You know, just, just follow be, them and your life is going to be part easier. Of the, yeah. Part of, it's not, it's only, it's only a few weeks. Yeah. Um, and if they'd said that, or if they just simply answer my question, well, if we didn't give, if we didn't allow smoking, because some places allow smoking. Yeah. And I, then I was like, well, why do you allow smoking? And he's like, well, because then the truth is no one would come. Yeah. Okay. So there were things I, I just didn't like when they were like, you're not trusting the process. Right. So what made you, um, what made your mom send you in the first place? Uh, I mean, I just was, a, I just was a problem drinker and user. And I, I, I liked, I liked to party. Yeah, I hear you. I, <laughs> I mean, I you. wouldn't, I don't, I, I don't know. I just had a, 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 I would, I mean, I wasn't like, uh, it didn't, it didn't look the way a lot of other people's look. So I didn't, wasn't, didn't use during the day necessarily. I just went hard Yep. when I went when you and would go do a lot of, you know, uh, two days, three day benders, whatever. And that was like a party that was like normal. Yeah. And you you it takes a long time to come back from a three-day bender and then you're you've lost a week of your life you know it's just yeah um but the one moment that took me that sealed my coffin where i had to go to rehab was when um uh i think i'd done a you know pulled an all-nighter or two maybe and i came home to my mom's house i was living in east village and i came home to my mom's house and i was like i can't do it anymore i'm so and i realized now i was just so tired and coming down and coming down and she was like yes 
like thank you like yes, you, you of course darling yes we'll go you'll we'll check you in and then i had a and then I was like, great, I'm just going to go home for a few hours and then I'll be right. She's like, uh-uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen intervention. you got to get them like right there. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, I know. Um, and then I remember I, I slept at her house and the next day when I woke up, I was like, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. I don't, need, I don't need to do Overreaction, this. mom. Yeah. I, lo- I, listen, I learned a lot about myself in rehab and the Meadows I think explains things so well. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, there's a, it's a lot of terminology. It's a lot of diagrams and graphs and charts right. and whatever. And it's, that was helpful to me. I didn't, I've done a lot of therapy, ther- been in therapy since I was five, but um, it was always cognitive therapy. And right. so to see it just sort of drawn out is, um, it's helpful. I don't stick by those things, love avoidant, love addict, you know, whatever it is. I don't, I don't think of those things on a daily basis, but at that moment when I really had nothing to ground myself in what was going on in me, that information was was nice. Are you still in therapy? Yeah. (laughs) Did you really go at five and stick with it? Like we're talking six, seven, eight, nine. My whole life. And you played like checkers or whatever you do. Yeah, they like watch you play, or they they ask you to draw a picture of your home, draw a picture of your family. Um, Yeah, and. I know this sounds ridiculous, but, you know, people suffering from self-hatred, even if on the outside it looks like they have everything and all of that. has nothing to do with anything. It's just all about whatever, whatever. It's about beliefs. Right. What you believe about yourself and the world and really has nothing to do with what you've achieved or what you how talented you are or how good looking you are. Like, obviously it has nothing to do with those things. It's whatever messages you were given as a child yeah, about the world and about how people see you and how, what your value is, that's going to carry over no matter what you, you know, achieve in your life. Um, as long as you, ha- as long, and as long as you don't, somehow change those beliefs and that's a fucking hard thing to do then you're um you'll be that way forever and i'm only just i'm working on it right. i'm just working right. on it and right. it never goes away there's these things that you these like these things that you're um you're taught about yourself um and about the i guess the world they, it never goes away but you just you you learn to recognize that it's a, a voice. Yeah. And, you know, a friend of mine says it's like life is about getting comfortable with discomfort. Yes. Ca- and calling it discomfort rather than depression. Right. Or whatever it is makes it pass. Mm-hmm. Well, my experience. My therapist would always say to me, um, you're really bad at being uncomfortable. Yeah. And I was like... <laughs> Really? Like that's you that's that's it. That's what I am. I'm just bad at being uncomfortable. Right. So simple. So simple and also makes me feel like it's such a dick. Um right. but no, it's he also said this recently, which is really huge for me. And he said, You'll never get hurt by being in pain. Um, you'll only get hurt by trying not to be. And I was like, Well, but like pain hurts, so what are you talking about? And he's like, Well, um, pain's a given. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And to, to resist it is when, is when we just destroy ourselves instead of going into it, which I've almost never done. Going into it? Just like been like, 
except, wow, that hurts real bad. I'm just going to sit here and look at it. You know, I'm always like, okay, like any distraction. Yeah. We got to get out of here. How do we get out of here? I know. I mean, it's the human condition to want to avoid pain. It's and survival, yet, yeah. Yeah, but I get it. It's such a struggle. And it's like, just because the thing is, it does pass. You yeah. know, I just read this book and it says, a, a feeling lasts in your body for a minute and a half. Oh, wow. So if you are, if like sadness. And then what, it is, what is it after that? A when choice. It's gone? A supposedly a choice to hang on to it. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, knowing yeah. that doesn't. You know, make all the difference Knowing in the world. And everything makes it, you know, know, it's so I funny. Know. I have, I, because I've been in therapy so much, like self-awareness, I'm like, I got it. Yeah, I know. There's such a thing as too much, don't you think? Yeah. I don't know that it works. It, it's, too, it's too much because I don't get a, like a, a blissful break right. from not knowing what I'm doing. Right. I always right, know right. what I'm doing. You know? I know. I miss ignorance. I don't mm-hmm. know if you ever feel like you had I'm that. I'm like, I'm doing this because I'm feel like it no I always I'm like I know why I'm doing it and also like believing like oh happiness comes from like getting this thing like for so long I believed that and then you get those things and you're like what I know this wasn't the answer I know I have that with Etsy (laughs) (laughs) I know when I'm like oh I'm just gonna see what's on Etsy that like something's up right right um so and I so back to like addiction yes I do you know, I recognize that I do, I use things as an anesthesia, you know, and I, that can be anything from shopping to sex to a conversation with, uh, that you know, a sort of, some sort of attention. Right. Um, you know, drinking, smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Anything. It's an anesthesia. Um, but for me, I didn't, there's so many, I don't even know where to begin. Uh. Well, I didn't fully relate to, I related to a lot of the feelings in, in AA and, um, but I didn't relate to, to the, the sort of the psychic like need for the alcohol or the irresistible urge for it necessarily. I recognize it as a tool. Yeah. And I know how to use it as a tool. Yeah. Um, I'd not. I'm not someone who uh, who drinks um, excessively. Yeah, but I will drink for a reason sometimes. Right, you if know? it's an event or something. Yes, and that just and I know I know enough to know that just because you're drink doesn't excessive drinking doesn't necessarily mean nope. an alcoholic mate. Um, but I don't know. But the way I saw it more was that I, especially when I was really uh, out of it was that I was more of, I had a problem with yeah. alcohol and drugs more than I had an addiction. Right. It was problem drinking. Right. And I think that's possible. Absolutely. And then my friend said, uh, my, my sponsor then said, now friend, uh, who's still sober and amazing, um, she said something like, um, and it was very it's oversimplified and it's not, it can't, it's not all true, but that, um, a problem drinker is when you stop the drinking and the problem reveals itself and it sort of goes away. Not yeah. goes away, but it's suddenly deal dealable. Yeah. And then an addiction, an addict is when it goes away and it, everything falls to shit. Right. And you realize the problem is much bigger. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that was very oversimplified because I can relate to both. Yeah. I can relate to both. Um, um, 
But uh, yeah, you know what? It also goes back to my thing with rules. I'm just not. A is filled with rules. Yep. And I suggestions, suggestions that turn into judgments and, you know, sort of anyway, it's filled with a lot of rules and that that ten. I know what what my threshold is for for um, for having rules. And it's that I will kick back. Yeah. The more some the more there that there are suggestions, advice um, and or a list of or a formula. Yeah, I will kick back and and I and uh, I did it for five years. Um, but I was I was always asking questions. Yeah. Um, and I was always asking questions like I never liked the disease model mm-hmm. that bothered me. Um, I mean, I know that's a touchy subject. Really, a lot of people believe in it. And- yeah, personally, I've never understood the controversy around it. You know, just stay sober or don't, and wh- however you want to define it is okay. I don't like that people t- would call the that would would call whatever their defects were their alcoholism. Right. No, that's you being a dick. Right. You know, right, and I right. don't like that. It felt it felt too simple for me. Yeah. And so I've stopped relating. Everything yeah. was too simple. Yeah. Um, and for me, when it's too simple, I get like suspicious. And when it's, I prefer it to be complex. Maybe it's just, maybe that's just uh, masochistic. But no, I mean, I think it's like well, because then, then I feel because then if it's complex, then I feel like a real person as opposed to sort of a number. as opposed to like a number or someone who fits into a mold. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. And so you decided. Um, to drink was that um you know some big mind fuck yeah well trying to remember if it it was because you know why because i had the voices in my head of like uh, from from aa that like once you drink you can never come back yep. and i was or not never come back you can come back but you're you're out yeah now and um, that scared me because I'd been in it for five years. I didn't want to be out. I didn't yeah. want to lose the things that AA had given me. Yeah. But I, but I also really resented that they were telling me that a drink and drinking would now, I wouldn't have those things anymore. And I know, anyway, so, uh, so that was scary when I started drinking. I was like, oh, God, now I'm on the other side, you know, because they do make it that black and white. Um, and... Uh, but it was, uh, it was fine. I didn't, I, I, you know, it was really, the first year was, was, um, I was totally like, didn't drink that much. I was more used to, I was so used to not drinking yeah. that it was kind of like, Ooh, I'm just going to have a, a glass of something you right. know, occasionally. And I did. And then there were a couple, um, you know, there were a couple like shitty moments where I like, uh, I drank too much and I beat myself up for it. And I'm like, Oh my God, I really can't drink. And then I was like, wait, it was my birthday. I got drunk. It happens, you know, um, and that, that may have been me rationalizing, but, but the point was, is I was just trying to get away from the shoulds and the shouldn'ts and yeah. to get, pull myself out of the mold and just be a fucking human. Um, and, uh, yeah. And you can't argue with the fact that in those years, so it's been about three years, yeah. you, you know, you've had amazing success. Yeah. Been raising kids. Yeah, I guess so. But you, there are a lot of women on the Upper East Side who are addicted to pills who like have their little boutique business and raise 
raise kids. Right, right. I mean, I don't know that it has anything to... Okay, so I... Oh, are you saying so I may have gotten that stuff from... No, I was actually saying that it's, you know, for people out there who go, well, your life will fall apart if you right. drink. That is not no, necessarily No, I don't think that's one of the reasons I don't think I'm... I don't feel like an addict. Yeah. Is I don't... I keep... I Whenever I'm scared of it... Uh, or scared of like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And this that doesn't happen anymore. But in the beginning I did, I ask, is my drinking unmanageable? Is my life unmanageable yeah. right now? And it's not. It's it's unma- if, When it gets unmanageable, it's got nothing to do with the alcohol at right. The, right now. Right. Um, so, yeah, I know I don't use it that, I don't use it to sabotage. Yeah. So. Well, good. I think this is um, a good note to end on. And again, I think this is a really important message, which doesn't mean if you're an alcoholic, like, oh, good, I'll go get to drink and all of that. No, I mean, the biggest message I will say from this that I would want people to get from this is that there is such thing as having a problem yep. and not being an addict. You don't have to fit into the mold. You don't you you can get you can stop drinking and you don't have to stay stopped drinking, right. but maybe it's good for right now. Right. It's not this, it doesn't have to become your lifestyle right. if it's not for you. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, there are very practical reasons for not drinking when, you know, when we need to. Yeah. And I have plenty of friends who are like, eh, I'm not drinking at the moment. You know, I was drinking straight for two weeks. So I just need to chill. And that they're they're normal, you know, non-addicted people. Um, but that's just the choice they I, I that's just the choice they make because, you know, alcohol is a tricky thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well this is a good note to end okay. on. So that was Jemima Kirk on the brand spanking new podcast, Recover Girl. If you want to find out more about this podcast, go to recovergirl.biz. And if you like this podcast, why not review it and rate it? I mean with the new name, we could use some new support. Thanks. I'll see you next time. Here's a secret. If you like this episode, you can get show notes, sometimes even transcripts of it. Just go to recovergirlnewsletter.com and sign up.